What's up, everybody? Happy SummerSlam weekend. I've got a special bonus for you here today on our main feed in order to tide you over until our SummerSlam 2022 review show drops on Sunday morning. So what you're about to hear is a full segment from this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Bonus Show that dropped for our patrons Thursday afternoon. Now this segment features Kyle, joined by good friend of the pod, award-winning author, Squared Circle Gazette radio host, Liam O'Rourke, and the two of them discuss Triple H taking over WWE Creative and whether or not that is going to make much of a difference for WWE. It's a great about half-hour discussion that was so good I thought I should put it out for everyone to hear right here on the main feed. If you enjoy what you do here and you want to hear the rest of the show, which clocks in at right around two hours, make sure to become a patron of Top Rope Nation. The link is here in the broadcast description. We'd be honored to have your support. There's great bonus content like this dropping all the time, over 80 exclusive bonus podcasts. And we'll have a new one next week as well when we release our Top Rope Nation Classics Retro Show on In Your House Canadian Stampede 1997. Should be a good one. In the meantime, enjoy this from this week's Top Rope Nation Extra, and we'll be seeing you on Sunday morning to review SummerSlam 2022. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Top Rope Nation Extra. Yes, it is Kyle. I am back from a near two-week stint in the Black Hills of South Dakota and Wyoming. No, I uh, did not stop in Sturgis and bore my family with a uh, four-year history of the Road Wild pay-per-view. We skipped that. Uh, But today, I've got some great news for all of you listeners. We are going to be talking about the mainstay on the Wrestling August pay-per-view schedule, that being SummerSlam, uh, best and worst SummerSlams in history. And here to help me to do just that uh, is one of the uh, finest people who could possibly help me out to do with that. Uh, He is an award-winning author. You know him well. Uh, Please welcome to the show my good friend and yours, Mr. Liam O'Rourke. Liam, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. A great topic to to uh, to do with you here, and obviously this is something I've been excited about for most of the week since you brought up the idea of doing this. And you know, I, I'm, I know that you're disappointed about not getting to see a free wrestling show while you're in South Dakota. Yes. Um, but thankfully, you know, you, you got SummerSlam this weekend coming up, and and Road Wild didn't exactly. Yeah, we're not doing a, a podcast talking about the best and worst of Road Wild or Hog Wild. Yes, exactly. Yeah, for a reason. Yeah, I don't think our listeners need to, uh, you know, need our expertise on why was Harlem Heat booed at that event. <laughs> I think good. you can figure that out. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's not good. That's and not I'm going to tell you what: after visiting that area of the country, uh, you know, like I said, for ten days, I think Harlem Heat would still get booed if there was a road <laughs> wild 2022. Oh dear me. They say land doesn't vote, people do. I'll tell you what, after spending 10 days out there, I wish the land had votes. And not oh, my because, word. Because, oh boy, oh boy, I'll tell you what, if you could have seen a camera on some of these people, Liam, you and your countrymen <laughs> would have been high-fiving saying, maybe we won the revolution after all. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. Great scenery out there. Great time. I always like hanging out with Mike. Great to be off Twitter and, and just enjoy nature. I like doing yeah. that. But uh, while I was gone, Mr. O'Rourke, I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Uh, a rather large story happened. Hmm. Uh, Vince McMahon is out at WWE. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. Gone, but of course, never forgotten. And uh, stepping in uh, to head creative, of course, the co-CEOs will be Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon, but uh, we don't really care about that. What we care about is the new head of creative is, you guessed it, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And the folks have actually not heard me comment about this, at least in podcast form. I've been talking about it certainly on the Top Rope Nation Facebook page. But uh, obviously, they'd be interested in what you have to say as well. So I know you're trying to get your head around this still. There's so much to unpack, so much to think about. But do you think, as we talk about SummerSlam 2022 in just a couple days here in Nashville, Tennessee, do you think there's going to be any sort of significant creative change by Hunter that we wouldn't have seen for that show uh, by Vince? Or what are your expectations of Hunter now that he has assumed the lead role in creative hi uh, this this like you say you go away you know for a period of time you come back the world's changed huh? mm-hmm. um it's this this story's insane when it comes to triple h and this sunday part of me expects and maybe incorrectly so because this isn't the same as as triple h's prior booking stints which i'm sure we'll talk about shortly but I almost expect there's going to be something on the show, whether it was there before or or not, that is kind of a symbolic gesture of, okay, something's taking place. Something's of interest will occur because I just keep thinking about, you know, has been thinking about this and, and triple H's involvement. Cause I am, I am not, I, there's been a lot of talk from a lot of folks in the last, you know, seven days, Kyle, about how, you know, this, possible improvement in the creative process because of yeah. triple h's appointment and, and vince obviously and i'm sure there's there's certainly merit to that but at the same point i am not one of the people that sold that triple h is this magical booking elixir that is going to uh you know cure all the ails wwe and part of that is that we've seen you know with the, the track record a lot of people want to point to nxt as a good thing but there's a lot of things that happened during that period of time that are kind of warning signs that it's going to be more of the same in some ways. And one of the things that I'm curious about is that, granted, again, it's a different situation. It's an apples to oranges comparison. But he was quite reactionary when he was when NXT was on television, head to head against AEW. The, the you know, there's a lot of hot shot in. There's a lot of stuff that was done for the surprise aspect that didn't really go anywhere. And I wouldn't be surprised. If there is something of that ilk, even if it's just you know something as simple as a surprise winner or an angle, something that will just kind of be new, because I feel like that's that's kind of that feels like it would be in keeping. Because I saw the first fifteen minutes of Raw before I could take no more, and it it, it did not feel like there was a massive impending change at all. Um, it was very much more of the same, which is fine. Again, some people, it, it may not be their thing to kind of, you know, immediately, you know, tip the table over and start I, fresh. Yeah. And I think some people on social media work themselves into a shoot, as we like to say about mm-hmm. what raw, you know, what they expected raw might be in terms of change. Like, oh, my God, it's gonna be a whole brave new world. And the reality is they have this big pay-per-view coming up in six mm-hmm. days. It would almost be foolish to do yeah. significant changes unless if you have some great ideas 
and, and you just think all the old ideas are shit. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, it very well be very well maybe a take that he shares. I know I share that take, but yeah. um but the thing with like, you know, just like the, the the way Raw started with the with the Miz and Logan Paul, like in the middle of a brawl, it's like, okay, this is something a little <laughs> interesting until like you make it like ten seconds in and the camera cuts make it unbearable and you realize there's more problems than just, you know, the content oh. of the booking. Okay. Uh, hold on. I because I saw somebody say this on social media on uh, Twitter specifically, and and I completely agreed with it. Do you think that the way they opened that show with that brawl, specifically Miz and Logan Paul, was it more about hey, let's just try something fresh because Hunter's in charge, or more we don't want Logan Paul to get booed in Madison Square Garden, so we're going to take <laughs> the live crowd out of it there. Yeah, that's it's very possible that was an element to it too because it was it was you know let them fight that you can disguise. I mean, in general, you, know, you put Miz and Logan Paul out there and there is that kind of, well, you know, we want, they want to book him like a baby face, even though everybody else wants to treat him like a heel. So yeah, that, that does feel like that's, that's part of the course as well. Um, but they could have done other things to kind of get around that too. If they wanted to, they could have had Logan Paul do a promo backstage where they turned the crowd down or something like that, but they wanted something, they wanted something to kind of progress it. And that was the best way to do it. And he came out later for impulsive TV. Oh, no. I didn't even know I, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what they called it. So, you know, maybe maybe Vince being gone ain't all that bad, is it? Uh, amongst other reasons. So it's funny. Uh, getting back to SummerSlam this Sunday, what we could reasonably expect. There already has been one change to the card. Mm. Uh, it, it happened late last night with Rollins and Riddle being pulled from the show. Yeah. Interesting, because I think most people saw that as the quote-unquote work rate match. I'm doing air quotes here. Uh, the home office, as I say that people thought it would be the best match on the card, at least on paper, you know, kind of the style of match that gets rave reviews, that gets high star ratings. Mm, yeah. And there was some speculation at first. They Meltzer said, oh, there was an injury. And then, no, it's just a creative move. Do you think. And again, this is purely speculative. We don't know unless, if you know, and Evan told me, but um, that Hunter looked at that match and I assume if Vince is booking Rollins is going over Riddle because mm -hmm. Rollins has lost on three straight pay-per-views to Cody. He needs a win. Probably in Vince's eyes, Vince values Rollins more than Riddle, I think. And Hunter comes in and he looks at that. He's like, you know, we've beaten this Riddle too many times on TV. He can't job again. Do you think that might be what it is? Or I, again, I'm just being purely speculative there. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 worthy speculation. And when something like this happens, it gets pulled, and there's no apparent reason why, uh, in, unless it comes out that there's some kind of COVID situation with Riddle or something like that, which would be out of the blue. But again, it, it doesn't seem like that's the case. But it's it's it is strange, and you know, you know the old mindset. You can almost read Vince's mind. A guy in his mind, a guy like Riddle can afford to lose because he can come back and make people laugh, and people will still be behind him and all that. Whereas Rollins. I did, I, you know, some of these wrestlers with some of their comments publicly, I and mean, I know you got one that you want to talk about in a second as well, but Seth Rollins saying they pulled the match from the show. Thanks for singing, guys. Maybe one day they'll hear you or something to that effect. From a top guy of the last seven years, for Christ's sake. How about Hunter hitting him with the I hear you? <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's you like, for the last seven bastard years yeah, while you've been I, main eventing. I hear you. That's like when my dad calls me or something. I'm like kind of like only half paying attention. I hear you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so you talk you, you're right so it'll be interesting apparently it's on the books for clash at the castle uh i know yes. you'll be looking closely at that uh show so 
we'll see what the reason it, that match was pulled. But there already is a uh, minor creative change, I guess you could call it, for SummerSlam this week. You talked about uh, Hunter possibly wanting to do something symbolically on the SummerSlam card to signify, hey, you know, there is a new creative regime here. You know what I was thinking? And I, I don't think this is going to happen, but it would be classic Hunter. And I sort of want it to happen so bad because, the, to be frank, the current state of WWE, all it can do is just make me laugh. Yeah. Not, not like, you know, good, not in the way that Vince wants Riddle to make me laugh, but like, I mean, just like, like unironically laugh at her or, or ironic, whatever. You know, let's say the last man standing match is over. Okay. Both guys are laid out and Austin Fury comes down. Okay. Yeah. With the briefcase. Hunter comes out and pedigrees him and stops at the music. <laughs> you know that's the old Hunter right there. That's what he'd know. Oh, Vince would have let him cash in, but I won't. You know, so that, <laughs> that's like what that. I want. Yeah. Um, were, you, you talked about how some people, you were surprised at some of the chatter from uh, some of the big sources, and, and I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, with Triple H being this magic elixir or whatever. Were you surprised how bullish Meltzer was on his show? I'm sure you listened to Wrestling Observer yes, Radio. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I was I, I was shocked at, like, <laughs> uh, you know, how he started going off, saying, oh, AEW could be in trouble if this starts working too well. And, and I kind of see his point with, okay, you know, does Adam Cole, and, and there's been more chatter beyond Wrestling Observer Radio, does Adam Cole leave mm. uh, WWE if Hunter Regal. Was, was in charge? Or, well, yeah, certainly Regal would not have, because Regal was yeah. his guy. But I'll pose the question to you, I guess, more succinctly. Were you surprised how bullish Meltzer was on, and others have been, about Triple H? Yes, absolutely. I, I do, the thing, listening to Dave, was very interesting because part of me thought that anyway in terms of, you know, we don't know what this change is going to be. But let's say, perfect world, that extremely smart people because the thing is they're still going to have this giant committee of people on the creative team mm -hmm. it's not like it's it's going to be one person doing the legwork and you know a couple people helping out or whatever it's, it's the same the infrastructure is still in place at the moment it may change but those there's a lot of big changes that need to happen for the creative to kind of get tidied up and there's a lot of legwork that needs to be done i think personally before the, any kind of big notes will turn around and the attitudes of wrestlers happen. Now, the, the, the interesting part is, of course, who gets pushed, the, the type of guy that gets pushed and things like that. But in terms of people joining because they want to be there, because it's a satisfying place to be, yeah, I, I, that, that's what surprised me about the bullishness of it, because I'm not convinced in Triple H as a booker at all. And, and you know, don't forget, folks, this is was the even if he wasn't the guy who you know put pencil to paper for every single thing this is the person who <laughs> made johnny gargano the the ideal babyface for the nxt world and got him booed by doing the same things that wwe was doing wrong with babyfaces for the longest yeah. time this is the triple h who was very reactionary in a bad way during the NXT uh, AEW Wednesday Night Wars, hot-shotting Keith Lee winning the title with like a one-week build or something like that. And then, okay, so they got a victory, and then they were fucked after that, and they decided to build around Killer Cross. <laughs> who's so, not good, Who's, who's not good. Was, was that, and was his choice, I understand. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, and again, you know, there's there's a lot of there was a lot of times during the first few months of the Wednesday Night War where people would review both shows and they would say things like, "Well, I thought NXT was the better show because it had Prince Dev- uh, Finn Balor turning heel." Um, or something, you know, something newsworthy of note. But most of that stuff never actually went anywhere. And it was like, at the time, I was kind of banging my head against the wall saying, how can you think NXT's a better show when AEW, which is not a perfect pro wrestling show, there is no such thing, but they were clearly doing things that were planting seeds for the long term, whereas NXT never was. And NXT wasn't getting... I didn't feel like NXT was ever getting anybody over that wasn't already in in a the same position they were in. Whereas AEW, they were taking guys who hadn't had national exposure, like Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen from the off, and making them into you know, Hangman Page. A lot of people didn't know, obviously, and making them people that you should pay attention to. And this is the stuff where I'm looking at it now. It's like it, it's again, it's an apple to an orange. It's such a different scenario, but that goes both ways. Saying that Triple H is going to be a great positive influence because he figured out that it was actually very easy to appeal to that kind of alternative wrestling audience that was naturally developing because WWE was not that good and, and appeal to it by basically bringing a lot of the guys from the Indies who were tearing up or guys from ring of honor or new Japan and creating this little world where we can do these self-contained isolated shows. And this is something we're going to talk about a lot today with regards to summer slams, especially ones in the modern era things that are built as isolated great shows can have an appeal but that's not going to be the game he's in anymore and it's very easy to do that to a certain audience it's not as easy to do that to the audience that i think WWE wants to appeal to and WWE is 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 you know thinks they have which is and again there's, there's so many there are so many tendrils here to kind of get into and we could talk about this for like three straight hours but I'm, I'm not sold on Triple H. I do think that there's a lot that needs to be done to the infrastructure of the company before we see it. The best case scenario, I think, for WWE is if they trim down their infrastructure slightly and they allow the people who are there and are talented, because you know this, Kyle, there are people in the company that have known that this product sucks. Yeah. For Absolutely. a long time. Yes. They, 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 there are people who know that. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, are we going to get that? Or are we going to get Brian James getting re-signed? That's interesting. And okay, so there's two things that I want to take away from what you just said. Believe it or not, I already had them written down before you went in the direction. So this works great. Oh, Number perfect. one. Okay. Number one, the good NXT. Okay. Because I, I think most people agree that once NXT went live opposite AEW, it went downhill. I, I don't think there's many people that are going to debate that point. But I think on the flip side, there are a lot of people, and I'll agree with this, that have a lot of reverence for the NXT of like 2014 to early 18. Mm-hmm. Right? About a four-year stretch. Yeah. It's very good. And people look at that. And why was it good? What were the key things? What, what, how was it different than what was going on in Raw and SmackDown? Well, we could talk a lot about that. But it's actually worthless to talk about those reasons because – I don't think those reasons translate to main roster television. Exactly. Absolutely. Because you cannot, he was taping three shows in, in one setting, which you obviously, I mean, that's one raw basically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, instead of th- getting three weeks in the can, you know, and the weekly TV was very basic, which is okay. It was very mm-hmm. much a reminder of the wrestling you and I grew up on. I, I had this discussion with someone on Facebook yeah. uh, yesterday as well, but, 
what's interesting is, and I know people who have gone through that process in NXT, and, and I, it, this really took me aback, this comment, what I was told. Someone said, it just wasn't very challenging mm. going through that. It, it's, it was easy. Yeah, It was a lot easier for NXT to be good, especially when you like compared it to like main roster WWE in that period, which was like really awful. Yeah, um, and, it and it continues to be bad, but um, it just it was kind of easy for it to be good, especially with that pipeline that would move through. You'd get yeah. a guy, he'd work like he, he'd have a hot debut in his first takeover. He'd be in a big match his next takeover. Maybe if you were like going to build around him for a while, he'd be in the title match next takeover or then he'd just go to the main roster. Yeah. And that's like very ideal. It was just kind of like booking a short term territory and just kept replenishing the, the talent pipeline. So it was. It was easy, and I don't think Triple H's successes down at NXT are going to... What he did well down there, I should say, those things don't translate to booking Raw and SmackDown. You also brought up the idea of, like, okay, are they going to bring Brian James back and uh, the infrastructure that currently exists with the WWE. This is really key, and I don't think it's been talked about enough. No. Triple H's power structure, you know, basically his guys... His team that he built over the course of like a decade was disassembled <laughs> and sent, and not just sent to the corner, but sent packing. So and it was done for a reason, basically, you know, <laughs> I, the, those who, who were kept during that great purge were kept because they were perceived to be more loyal to Vince than Hunter or yeah. at the very least, just not a Hunter guy. I mean, that was per- that's why Regal's gone. Yeah, it's not because Regal yeah. sucked at his job or anything. It's because Regal was more loyal to Triple H than he would ever be Vince McMahon. Yeah, and so he doesn't have that power structure that he would have. Like if that if his team was still there, okay, yeah, you could see a media change, but he's gonna be fighting upstream on some of these people. Because keep in mind, a lot of the existing people, probably in the creative team, Hunter was probably bad mouth to them, mm-hmm. and they were probably told, no, the way Hunter's been doing it these last couple years was wrong. And we're getting back to the WWE way. Again, this this is part of it. Is you know really like it, it goes without saying, but I feel like it needs to be said. How remarkable a turnaround Steph and Triple H's fortunes have been in yeah. the last three months, from leaving the company and being publicly trashed to having a heart attack, almost dying, having everything that you built in NXT get disassembled because you got fucking just killed in the demo in the, in the, in the wars. And then basically you know, everybody that was with you in the, in that foxhole, like you said, shown the door. And it's like, they couldn't have looked. We would talk about this. Like, can you believe that after all these years, Steph and triple H are out? Well, that's no longer the case. They are in, they're all the way in. They have everything. And you know, I got to say this. I just really hope that Hunter and Stephanie find out who the person was leaking to the Wall Street Journal, oh, and, yeah. and, and, and you know those leaks that caused them to get back in power, basically it erased everything you just said. I really hope they find that person someday. I, mean, I wonder <laughs> who that could have been, though. When you I really think about it, yeah, you always have to look for the people that benefit in these situations, don't you? You really do. I mean, I you know I know when they find that person, when they find the leaker, they're going to give him a him or her a real stern talking to yeah. that we don't leak to the Wall Street Journal. I'm yeah. sure of it. Uh, one last thing on Hunter. So that was facetious, everybody, in case you couldn't. Um, <laughs> the things that 
you know, that Dave was talking about, getting back to Wrestling Observer Radio, and, and he's not alone. The things that people think Hunter did well, does the core audience of WWE like those things? Um, I should say probably they or do like they, it as an extra. Or, or do they matter? Here's what I'm saying. Yes. When yeah. I say the core WWE audience, I'm talking about the people who just, who maybe don't even consume, who didn't really even consume his peak of NXT. They, you know, because I've been noticing something the last year or so with the main roster program. And, and I don't like the main roster programming at all. I think listeners of Top Rope Nation know that quite well. But it seems that the hardcore WWE audience liked, very much liked, the change in direction to more Vince, less what Hunter was trying to bring to the table. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. I was I, I had this discussion, I think it was yesterday, but it was it was the first fifteen minutes of watching Raw and seeing the reactions and just being because on one hand, when I see that like, you know, the ratings have been up for the last little while and that you know the, the houses are doing better, I'm just in disbelief. I was like, how can this possibly like this just makes no sense? But then you actually really look at it, it's like, you know what though? When you watch the TV show, that dissenting voice that has been there for the last 10 years is all but gone because now they don't need to be there anymore. They have something else they can go to yes. in AEW. So the audience that's with them, and this is what I'm, I'm, in, I'm really interested in. Let's say Triple H changes things drastically. Do you think that actually is going to be successful or not? Because it's not going to be – in theory, if it's a big change from what they like, is it – going to appeal to new people is it going to bring new people in or is it going to turn people off who are already watching because they've sat through so much bloody awful stuff at this point they've mm -hmm. sat through every and, and they've seen all these people get their push and their moments they're they're in their isolation biggie wins the belt moment and they cheer for it like it's like it's a big deal they chant you deserve it nia jacks <laughs> it's, it's yeah. fucking wild like i don't like you know and so it, it's such an it's not as simple as it looks and it doesn't even look simple but it's 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 a, such a, a an interesting thing that is going to unfold before our very eyes and it's fascinating to think about the million different implications that are going to be on television and one thing that you kind of touched on there and i guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw it over to you after this but like you mentioned the nxt tv of when it was good right the, the one hour show on the network mm -hmm. keep in mind there's absolutely zero pressure in producing that one hour of television on the network where there's no real um, onus for it to be good and no need to hotshot anything. You can do whatever you want at your own pace because no the network's ratings. there, no ratings to react to, no panic, no, this isn't working. We can tell because of this. And if, and if, there, if there were those metrics that they could see, they didn't have to react to them, but that's not going to be the way it is anymore. But for Triple H's reign, he's going to see how things go. And again, like I said, I think we're at the point now where it's like this audience just isn't going to fucking go anywhere. Like th th there's that 1.5 million people who are just <laughs> they're going to ride this fuck around until they're in the grave. So uh, we'll you're see. right. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe the people that are left, no matter what slop you feed them, they're going to drink it up because. That's uh, it. Yeah, maybe it is. But I don't know. It just seems to me that the changes Hunter was trying to bring like. He was trying in his own way to appeal to that dissenting voice. Yeah. In WWE, right? But it wasn't Absolutely. really working. And I, I, you know, I feel WWE TV, it's, it's crazy. It seems hotter because you don't have the dissenting voice present. Even exactly. though there may be, there's maybe less people watching, 
now, although ratings have kind of solidified over the last year, they haven't dropped, you know, they're probably not going to, they can't drop anymore, but it just feels like it's their audience right now that, you know, like Vince was in step. He's like, yes, this is finally my audience. I don't have to deal mm-hmm. with people chanting yes and CM Punk anymore. I don't have that. No, they're just <laughs> yeah. going to cheer whatever I give them. And they, they, if, they're going to do what we want. And if they don't, we'll pipe the audio over anyway. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting if, if what, if the perceived good that Hunter brings to the table appeals to that core WWE audience. Now, a couple things I wanted to wrap up and then we're going to get to the history of SummerSlam. I promise. Did you see this Liv Morgan interview? <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. So I think <laughs> it is safe to say we have our first pandering to the Booker interview of the Hunter Hearst Helmsley <laughs> regime. Uh, this is available in multiple places uh, on the internet. I am looking at F4Wonline.com right now. It was a news story. Liv Morgan says WWE is in great hands with Triple H running creative. Based on what? <laughs> I don't know. We're excited. We're in great hands, she said. Uh, <laughs> regarding Vince McMahon's departure from the company, Morgan said that it felt sudden, but she's excited to be working with Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon. And people have probably seen this and they can look it up on their own. This interview, as I'm reading it, Yes, there are many words that were involved, but all I was hearing was, please keep the title on me this weekend. (laughs) Please let me win. Please let me keep the title. Um... Do, it's like it's like watching the Game of Thrones thing where like the power changes and you see the people who are like in the inner circle, or not necessarily in the inner circle, but people basically like, okay, the regime has changed. Who gets to be the picks? Who gets to be the chosen ones for the new regime? And this is like, yeah, very much a uh, proactive move. Hey, what's she going to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, hey, it's true. What she going to say? Oh, I, well, God. This guy's a re- proven jack shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy's proven jack shit. We're fucked. All downhill. <laughs> it was all about Vince. But uh, it seemed, and I had heard rumblings that Ronda Rousey was going to probably turn heel. Certainly that's a smart move at this point, mm. is Ronda to turn heel and 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 to beat live like a drum, probably. I mean, that's a very modern WWE thing, right? It like, is, isn't it? Tur- turn heel and just look like a complete badass. Turn heel, look like a badass, but and and think that you're getting heat by destroying someone that the fans like. When really, all it does is just beat them down and 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 convince them not to believe in that person again. Yeah, yeah. Is that scenario more or less likely to happen now that Hunter is in charge, or no, uh, no change? I think it's yeah. I'd say I'd say minimal change. I think that there's still the chance they will have her go heel because I think that's probably the thing that everybody's going to come to the conclusion they should probably do because her as a babyface just doesn't seem to mean anything at the moment. Um, but the nature of how they do it might be, yeah, maybe it won't be a little bit. This is the thing. This is where we don't know because like this is the great un- untested thing. And you got to consider that Triple H's method of staying over as a heel was pretty much beat everybody. <laughs> yes. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, I mean. I could see him potentially throwing Liv more of a bone, like yeah. not, like looking like a total schmuck in defeat, whereas Vince would just be like, you know, Ronda's just going to do something and just beat you like a drum in three minutes, and well, you're on your way. Last year, Becky and Bianca, right? Yes, yes. The uh, the, the anti-Ultimate Warrior Honky Talk Man. Maybe mm. we'll hit on that in our history of SummerSlam piece. But uh, last thing on Saturday. SummerSlam is Saturday, right? Not Sunday. It is. Okay, wow. A Saturday pay-per-view. I, I, I know you'll be watching uh, with that change. <laughs> but um, booking the main event, do you think Hunter is inclined to switch this up at all with Lesnar and Reigns' last man standing? There was a lot of talk when this match was announced. Okay, 
they're not going to beat Brock again, are they? And then if that's the case, you know they don't want to probably just beat Reigns. So do you think like the titles become ununified? Because Meltzer's original reporting around WrestleMania said that the unification thing was not long for this world. So mm. Vince, Hunter, whomever, what do you think the most plausible outcome of this match is? Reigns wins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, because did Brock hold him up for another bag of money? Last oh, of course, <laughs> of okay. course he did. Of All course, right. and, and I, I felt like Meltzer was trying to uh, kind of allude to that without saying it on the show, and that might just be me reading into it and being wrong. But when he's talking about how it was very important for the company to make it look like nothing had changed and nothing was wrong it, uh, the day that Vince leaves, um, and they made sure that that didn't happen. Well, how do you make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah, big, do you actually do you physically drive to his hotel room and call him and bring him back? No, you 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 say come back and we'll we'll compensate you accordingly or something of that sort. So, I, I mean, they've got him. I don't see them changing whatever plan it is, and I don't know that they have a massive plan in the end. I know they they think they're going to get Rock and Roman. We'll see, but Reigns winning just feels like what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I think it would be a mistake. The problem with Reigns isn't that he he's not a big star, because he is a big star. He's a much bigger star than he's ever been right now. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. The problem is, and this is where I do want to see Hunter make a difference, is the journey. Okay? Yeah. You, you brought up the possibility, the widely speculated possibility of Dwayne Johnson working WrestleMania against Roman. I think anyone with half a brain for this business knows that that is a good destination. That's a very big match for this company. But the problem with WWE, and it's been this way, and it was true of their biggest money match ever previously, Dwayne and Cena, way yeah. back when. Yes, it's a big money match, and it's kind of foolproof, but the journey is so bad to get there, and it's so boring. And that's been the problem with this Reigns title run. It's not that he's been yeah. sharp. It's that it's just so boring. And I hope Hunter can come up with ways that just make it a little bit more exciting. I mean, this weekly TV is so dire. It's just Roman coming out, acknowledging me, cutting the same. It was funny what he said to Austin Theory on Monday, um, you know, that your daddy's not here anymore. By the way, Austin Theory did not look like he even belonged to the same promotion, let alone the same no. <laughs> as Reigns. I mean, why do they also, in WWE, let guys just get burned to hell? Like, where you're just like, oh, my God, you schmuck. He just shit all over you. And they don't get, like, a real response right after. No, Shawn, they, Michaels, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart started pulling each other's hair out over that once upon a time. <laughs> now guys just take it. They, yeah, thank you, Sim. I have another. Is, yeah. is I believe what they say. I, I, it's, that's something that's got to change. I mean, this is the thing. It's like all these things that we talk about creatively, it seems like, and, and this is what I hate about WWE, it seems like they don't even matter anymore. They can yes. make all these hideous mistakes and the crowd will just because they, they, they don't know any better. And that's again, we, get, we are going to talk about this when we get to the worst summer slams. Th- that is a massive part of the promotion that makes it very hard for me to ever want to watch it again. You just <laughs> it, it, the promotion is riddled with so many things like that, where it's like that just absolutely should not happen at all with this character, with this person, with this situation, with this commentary, with this angle, with this choice of push. And it just seems like it doesn't matter because nothing really does. And, nope. and and but the people who are who have this is an awful lot of people I think who have either they, they've 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 sat through enough now that they're just going to take it, or this is the promotion that they know. This is what they think it is, and they're used to not really caring all that much. 
about the long term or think about you know <laughs> the little things that you know wrestling fans like us who've been around for a long time they look for okay yes uh and we've teased it enough let's get into it okay because yeah. something some significant things have certainly happened over the what is it 34 year history of SummerSlam That's now it. is that correct yeah am, am i correct 34 this will be the 34th okay uh and we are here today to talk mainly about best and worst summer of the vince era i suppose liam now we can say <laughs> this uh, we are in a new era so Let's start with the best. Let's start uh, being glasses half full person. We've shit on the modern product enough. We'll get back to that because I'm sure that most of the worst will be more recent uh, offerings of SummerSlam. So let's talk about best SummerSlams ever. I have a question for you here today, and that is, is there any specific factor you look for when determining the quote unquote best pay-per-view in an exercise like this? And when it comes to big four WWF slash WWE pay-per-views, do you evaluate those any differently? Is there something you look for? 